From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you into Teal the Podcast, quarantine edition. Uh, We're doing this interview or this uh, conversation over uh, Zoom, as so many of our conversations are happening now. So hopefully uh, it sounds good and uh, you guys can enjoy this. Uh, We do have some football to talk about, uh, but Mark, let's start with uh, the more human side of this whole thing, which is uh, your friend and mine, Tony Baselli, having gone through a battle with uh, the coronavirus and COVID-19, a pretty scary situation. I know you were, um, you know, up to date with what was going on, obviously, and both he and Angie had to fight through this thing. Yes, and 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 uh, it really was a battle, uh, Cole. Uh, more so for Tony than it was for Angie. Angie uh, tested positive uh, for the virus, uh, not as not nearly as uh, symptomatic as Angie, or excuse me, Tony was. But Tony went through it, and and uh, uh, he was in ICU for a few days. And forgive me if I don't have the specifics, but I do know uh, that. Uh, uh, it was a battle. I mean, it, it beat him up pretty, pretty good. And, and uh, uh, for a big guy, tough guy, competitor, uh, strong, all of that. I mean, the virus, um, it got after him. It put him down for a while. And fortunately, he got some very good care over mail. Uh, I've talked to him a few times, and he goes on and on about the, the, the doctors and the nurses and the and not just for Tony, but for for all the people that are that are. Uh, have this virus, those people on the front lines that are, that are, uh, they're truly making a difference. And they did for Tony. Um, they made a real bad situation, uh, bearable for him and, and, uh, uh, and got him through, but he's doing, he's doing much better. Yeah. You hear, uh, a number of stories, you know, um, probably a lot of people out there listening, know somebody or several people personally who have, uh, contracted this and who have fought through it. And sometimes it hits people harder than others. But when you hear a 47 year old, you know, five-time Pro Bowler uh, who's healthy getting hit this hard. Uh, I don't know that I was underestimating it before, but it certainly gave me more of an appreciation for how dangerous this can be. Yeah, Cole, and uh, and I would be in the camp of the, of of some of those that that underestimated it. You know, and and uh, oh, it's a virus. You know, it goes away. Just stay secluded, get some help. Um, you know, you're going to be fine. That was obviously very early on. Tony gets it, and and even when he he got the virus and he tested positive. He had already been sick for a few days. And, and, uh, so he goes into, uh, as soon as he texted me, he says, I'm going into ICU. I thought, Oh, wow, this, this is, this certainly hits home. It's, it's bigger than I thought. Um, and, uh, and obviously that's, it's, it's an absolute tragedy for, for some, cause there's a lot of people that are losing loved ones and, and, uh, uh, it's a very, very serious deal, and you've got to take it serious. You know, when you go out in public, and and uh, if you go out of the house, um, and uh, so uh, hopefully we're 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 nearing the end. I don't know, um, but uh, this has been tough for a lot of people, and and uh, for you and I, it hit home because it it hit one of our good friends. Uh, I don't know if um, there's anything else other than this kind of thing, a pandemic, that would have put so many people in a similar situation in terms of hunkering down, being at home, or watching people not do that and getting a little irritated by people not doing that. Uh, has anything jumped out at you uh, since sort of being, you know, self-quarantined or uh, self-isolated? You know, I, 
I, I had mentioned earlier about, you know, it hitting home and me understanding just how serious it was once Tony went into the hospital. Um, but even at that time, you saw the images from a lot of people at the beach and kind of just carrying on their lives with their lives as if, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. And, uh, and I think, I hope, hopefully we're all at the point where we do realize that you just can't, you can't do that. Um, social distancing is, is very important. And as we've seen on TV, and if you watch the, uh, the reports, it's the, it's the best way for, for this to go away. And, and, uh, and I think people are becoming more aware. Uh, they're living their lives with a little bit more uh, uh, wisdom, understanding how important this is. And, uh, uh, and you, listen, you could be a healthy guy and, and, uh, or a healthy individual and be relatively young and, and still get this. And it, and it, and it still could, uh, it could, uh, it could get the best of you. So I think people are smarter. Uh, I think we've learned a lot and hopefully people continue to, uh, um, you know, fight off this, fight off this uh, virus the, the way, uh, um, you know, we've, we've been told to. All right. Let's uh, talk about the impact that this is having on the NFL and in particular, the NFL draft, the league said yesterday that they would be um, conducting the draft virtually that like we're doing here. Uh, it's going to be, teleconferences and video conferences and um, conference calls and you know all the particulars we're not sure of exactly right now but uh, this is going to be a much different draft experience when you heard that this was the approach they were taking uh, did it surprise you at all and, and do you think this is going to impact the way the draft actually plays out Cole I was a little surprised I thought they would delay it um, I thought they would give it another you know couple months um, uh, Roger Goodell decided to to uh, to do it this way. Now you under, you have to understand that he works for the NFL owners and, and uh, there is a timetable. And for whatever reason, they decided to, to uh, do this draft virtually, how that's going to look, you know, and, and, and I, I think it's, it's unfortunate because this is a big day for so many people, uh, so many, you know, young prospects, they have the opportunity, you know, at least in the first round to, to shake the commissioner's hand and, and be on national TV, you know, that that's, uh, it's going to be a little different. Uh, it's got to be very difficult for uh, personnel people, coaches, uh, GMs uh, in this process to evaluate who uh, is going to be on that team. So it's going to be different. The thing is, Cole, uh, is that everyone's on this uh, is on a level playing field. They all have to deal with it equally, and and uh, those that can evaluate these players uh, without being in front of them, without having a face to face conversation and getting to know them a little bit, working them out. Uh, that will be the key. And, and I imagine some teams will be better than others. I would expect that small school players are probably going to be hurt by this more than the big school players because there's better film and more uh, exposure to uh, scouts uh, for somebody who went to Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Michigan, USC, whatever, uh, than somebody who went to uh, you know, a smaller school. Um, I don't know if that's going to impact the first round, but I would think that the you know, three, four, five, six, seven rounds deep, uh, you're probably going to see a lot more big school guys drafted than small school guys uh, compared to past years. Yeah, Cole, I think that's a great point. And uh, because, you know, the, the, the prospects that are coming out of the, the, the Power Five schools, the D1 schools, you know, teams have been looking at them for a couple years now. You know, that's what these personnel uh, people do. You know, they're just not watching your last, you know, year of, uh, of, of football. They go back a ways. But these smaller school guys, um, uh, small D1, FCS teams, um, you know, they're usually, they just kind of, they get on the radar because they kind of 
have a, that that last year is a great year. They burst onto the scene, but there's not a lot of volume. There's not a lot of tape to really evaluate them. At the same time, uh, are you willing to risk a draft pick or signing a kid as a free agent who has one really good year, and that really good year is going against maybe other uh, small schools? Um, and uh, so it, it, that, I, I agree with you, Cole. I think it can hurt those guys. I think they're going to be more comfortable looking and or at least drafting guys. Um, being interested in guys that they're familiar with, that they've seen produce on the field for the last two or three seasons. You know, one of the things that I've seen in some mock drafts lately, and I know part of this you have to understand how mock draft, the mock draft system works. And I say the system, it's a sort of an ecosystem of all the draft guys who do these things. Some people just do one mock draft per year, and then they do it right before the draft, and that's it. But most of these guys are doing two, three, four, seven versions of the mock draft. And they're trying to come up with something different and interesting to, to make it different than what they've done before, what other people are doing uh, with their mock drafts. So take this with a grain of salt. But there have been a couple of mock drafts that I've seen here uh, this past week where the Jaguars are drafting a quarterback with their first first round pick. Is that outlandish? Cole, I, it's not outlandish. I mentioned this, I, gosh, at least a month ago, maybe a, a couple months ago. Uh, uh, on Channel 4 that, uh, that this is a very real possibility. Now, if there is a quarterback um, that is available in the first round when the Jaguars get a pick, uh, their first or second pick in, in, the, in the first round, if there's a quarterback that they really like, and sometimes teams just fall in love with a the guy, they think he's going to fit similar offense, uh, you know, from college to what the, you know, maybe the Jaguars are doing. Maybe that's something about his personality, his background, whatever it is. Maybe it's just, it's just, uh, he checks all the boxes. Um, I could see them, I could see them doing something like that. And, and I'll, let me put it this way. We love Gardner Minshew. All right. He exceeded expectations, all of that. He started 12 games. He won six of them. His personality, his toughness, he's a competitor, all this stuff. He's refreshing. He's fun. But I think we as fans, and I'm a fan of his, I think we as fans like Gardner Minshew more than the Jacksonville Jaguars like Gardner Minshew. I get a feel, I, I have a feeling about that. Um, so don't be surprised if they pick a quarterback in the first round. And it, it doesn't mean that, that this first rounder is going to start. Maybe Gardner Minshew plays half the year or the next year while they groom this guy. I don't know. But uh, if they don't think Gardner is the long-term answer, then why wouldn't you pick a guy? You've got two picks in the first round. Why wouldn't you pick a guy who you think is the long-term answer? Here's the other reason why I think it makes sense. Um, they know they're not winning this year. Great point. Right? I mean, why not give whoever it is, whoever your quarterback's going to be, a chance, whether it's Minshew or whether it's somebody else, to have that year, um, you know, you don't have to rush the rookie in if you don't want to. You don't want to. I can promise you that. You don't want to. Right. And there's going to be less on-field time, almost certainly, for a quarterback in this offseason. We're going to see fewer OTA dates, if at all. I'm going to see less in terms of minicamp and probably a shortened preseason. We may see a shortened season, period. So when you go in, and this is all trying to read the crystal ball of how this pandemic is impacting the rest of the of the schedule for the NFL. But I don't know if the 
the thought process, I don't think it can be the same as if this is a quote unquote normal year when you're talking about the draft and, and how much time, you know, you get a new offensive coordinator too, who's not going to have the same amount of time with people on the field. Um, this is not gonna, this is not going to be a good season for the Jaguars uh, because of all those factors, among other factors. Um, so if you really love Tua, or if you really love Justin Herbert, or if you think you're going to take a bunch of these draft picks and try to trade up and entice Cincinnati to move down so you can take yep. Joe Burrow, maybe it's maybe it's the um, maybe it's the Jordan Love kid. He mm-hmm. impressed me at the combine. Now he's athletic, throws a really nice ball. Um, so you, you, you don't know, but, but if there is that connection between that potential first round quarterback for the Jaguars and the Jaguars, um, boy, who knows? Um, it, it, it will be interesting. I would not be surprised Cole, uh, in all, in all likelihood, I think they'll keep Gardner Minshew. I think they're going to go after a free agent. If I'm not mistaken, I think an Andy Dalton is still available, mm-hmm. uh, who, who, uh, worked for Jay Gruden in Cincinnati his first couple of years. And, had tremendous success early on in his career with Jay Gruden. So um, I think if you're the Jaguars, you have to look at options. Um, Gardner Minshew cannot just be your only quarterback. You need someone he can compete with, whether that's a first-round pick, whether that's a, a, a guy that's been around the league for eight, nine, ten years, I don't know. But somebody else has to be in that quarterback room. Let's talk now about what the Jaguars – should or could do as far as uh, this draft, thinking big picture. What is it they can accomplish? How much with the draft capital they have? You know, they've got 12 picks. I don't think 12 guys are going to make this team out of this draft, are they? I mean, even though they have some holes, it's not like they have no bodies. They just don't may not have stars. So the chances of all of your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks making this team are probably limited. When you, talk about just, when you talk about the practice squad, maybe they all wind up making the practice squad uh, in some regard. But what can the Jaguars accomplish with this draft issue? Well, I think what's important is those first three rounds. Because in the first three rounds, at least, yeah, yeah you want those guys to contribute. You know, and you never know what's going to happen, you know, rounds four, five, and six. But you don't expect those guys in those rounds to step on the field and really help you. Of course, I say that. We just talked about Gardner Minshew, um, who was a six-round pick. Um, this is a critical draft because there are a lot of picks. Um, the Jaguars, in, in a lot of cases, have been right. But by and large, you know, last six or seven years, they, they've missed on a lot. I don't think, Cole, for the future, uh, you, you can afford to miss. So in that, especially in that first round, the second and third rounds, if you can, whatever position you're going, you know, we've talked about they need to get big. They need, to, you know, maybe it's an addition um you know they got the they got the Tyler Eifert kid at, at tight end they got a corner they got a linebacker they've addressed some positions I see them getting aggressive with offensive line and defense linemen whoever that is Cole and you know people can go round around on what their needs are there's a lot of needs whoever they pick in those rounds um those early rounds they got to see the field because while they may not win a whole bunch this year six games seven games eight years games I don't know at least those young picks will get a year of experience, a year of growth and development where when they do get into a position where they can compete in the division and do something, you know, they got a year under their belt, a year of good work where they saw the field, they developed and, and they're better football players, but you gotta, you gotta be right this year. And the Jaguars haven't done a lot of right with those, with those 
you know, those early picks. Which leads me to the final topic of conversation, and that is Yannick Ngakwe and the uh, drama that continues there. Um, earlier today, he was on ESPN, and again, kind of reiterating his position, which is the Jaguars had a chance to sign me to a big contract uh, in last offseason. They didn't. Um, and now I want to go somewhere where there's a culture of winning. By the way, those are two completely separate things. <laughs> All right. Uh, whatever. But um, if, you're, if you're on this Jaguars roster right now, and Yannick Ngakwe is going through all this, and every day he's tweeting or Instagramming or social media-ing out these things that are sometimes cryptic, sometimes direct, what are you thinking? I mean, can you really just say, well, it's just business and not, not have it bother you? Not when you take it this far, in my opinion, Cole, because um, there, there's a way to communicate, hey, there's a business side of this deal, and I don't feel comfortable with what's been offered, and I'm going to look elsewhere if we can't come to an agreement. You can be a professional. You can handle your business like a professional. It doesn't mean you have to be happy or, or sometimes cordial, but when you come to the point where you say, you know what, it's time for me to go, uh, I want to go elsewhere, you know, as a teammate, you're thinking, oh, wait, wait a minute now. You know, we, we, just, we just took the field with you. Uh, we, we, we've been together for this many years. You're one of our guys. To me, it would be, it would, it would be a little bit offensive. Um, to me, it would be a little bit, all right, not only does he not doesn't like the Jaguars, he really is saying he doesn't want to play with me anymore. He doesn't want to be my teammate. He wants to go be someone else's teammate. I, I under okay, great. But if that's where you're at, then just go. That's fine. Because I haven't heard, I love my teammates, I want to play for them, but you know, we haven't worked this out yet. Hopefully we will. In Yannick Ngakwe's mind, he's ready to go find another team. And I think as a, as a professional, as a, as, a, um, as a teammate of his in the locker room, at some point you just say, you know what, go. Yeah, That's fine. I, I, Obviously I, you'd be happier somewhere else. It's, it's, there's a way to handle the social media side and the comments and the things on Twitter better than what Unique Ngakwe is doing right now. And by the way, when you say that the Jaguars are not letting you feed your family. Um, <laughs> yeah, and some of that's just 17 million dollars. Yeah, like, like just, just stupid. think about the words you're using in this. I mean, right. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody's going to say, I want to maximize my earnings because I know this, this, you're not guaranteed the next day, much less the next year in this league. Fine. Nobody's going to hold that against you. But when you say I might be able to feed my family, well, you just got made $2 million last year. And, uh, you know, you, you're going to make $17 million under the salary, the, uh, the franchise tag. So, yeah. I, yeah, you you can even find toilet paper for that kind of money. That, that's that, <laughs> that big an issue. Um, so, anyhow, that's uh, that's the way it looks. All right, uh, this is a little shorter version of the podcast than we would usually do under the circumstances. Uh, we will circle back before the draft, hopefully, and uh, have a chance to talk about what the Jaguars will do. We'll certainly talk after the draft as well and see who the Jaguars wind up selecting in uh, those 20 picks that they have heading, or 12 picks, rather, they have, he have heading into the 2020 draft. It's going to probably feel like 20 picks by the time they get done with it. Uh, Mark, thanks a lot. Stay safe. All the best thank you. You too. And uh, thank you for listening to Teal the Podcast. Thank you.